Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me again for part two of our Nintendo 64 discussion are Luis Badillo 64. That's me. Mike Gospel 64. Hey. And Dan Schiffmacher 64. Hey. Oh, good. We're all here. Uh, we're going to be going back now in greater depth regarding our personal favorite games. Some may be well-known and some may be not so well-known. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder. So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Uh, so for this part, you know, uh, we kind of touched on some games in the first uh, episode of this N64 Retrospecticus, but not really in great depth. Here we're going to go all in on the games. I don't really have anything too scientific in mind. We'll just go around the table and talk about one game at a time and see how many games we can get through. Because, you know, even though the N64 didn't have as many games as like the NES, it still had like 400 games come out pretty much. Whoa. Yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely one of those lower count game count consoles. But the games that I know that I played definitely stuck in mind because this was like the console of my childhood. Yeah. Or like my early adolescence. Um, I remember the first time I played a ton of N64 was with Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Mm. Uh, which is right here. It's got yeah. that Stormtrooper up front. I apparently have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is my copy! Uh, no, yes. I... Uh, it, it was the first time I had seen like Star Wars realized in a polygonal universe yeah. that you can explore. Uh, what it, was like the overall kind of deal with that game? So I remember it being around, but I don't know anything about it. So, really. th- so the game starts off in like where the movie, the second movie starts uh, in the Battle of Hoth. Mm. You know the the the, the snow speeders right. and all that, and you play a like. In, in every sense of the word, a ripoff of Han Solo. Okay. Who's named Dash Rendar. Yes, yes. And and, and he is bargain basement Han Solo hey. in every way. Uh, he has his own version of like the Millennium Falcon called the Outrider. Okay. Uh, he has a like kind of brutish robot sidekick. That's his Chewbacca. Yeah. And uh, he he fights all sorts of ca- like he he's basically going alongside. Like the events of the movies, like the the end of the game is him helping destroy the second Death Star. Oh, okay, uh, and faking his own death. So he's that super important character we never actually met in the movie. That's exactly <laughs> yep, it. How much. very Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, there 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 are scene, there are parts of that game where you are like fighting Boba Fett. Yeah, okay. uh, and. Like and the stakes are that if you don't beat Boba Fett, he's gonna come up and mess up Luke Skywalker or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, unsung heroes. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, geez, like there there were a lot of decent games of uh, Star Wars games on the N sixty four, Star Wars Pod Racers, and also Rogue, uh, not Rogue One, uh, Rogue, Rogue Squadron. Squadron. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just saw something recently that said, and going back to your mentioning of the Hoth battle, that like every video game version of Star Wars has that in it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, much. you, yeah. you kind of have to have that. <laughs> and I have like a huge Star Wars head, but like N sixty four, like I said, kind of I missed it as a kid. Uh, so I would seeing these now that I in fact own them <laughs> from a yard sale, I would love to like play some of those games. Uh, Rogue Squadron definitely is one of those games that, and you do have the expansion pack, so. It'll play on here, mm-hmm. but it's it definitely like turned me on to like space sims. 
Yeah. Which is like why I am into like. Did you play Star Fox at all? Yes, I played Star Fox. And, you know, I like Star Fox a lot. And I played that a lot because I wanted to get like the branching paths. Mm. Um, But Rogue, like, hearing them talk about the spaceships in Rogue Squadron. Like, yeah. there, there are advantages and disadvantages. Like, oh, you could be a Y-bomber, but, you know, it's a slow-moving vehicle, but it hits hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the Incom T-65X wing is the fighter that killed the Death Star. An almost perfect balance of speed, maneuverability, and defensive shields makes this the fighter of choice for Rogue Squadron. Definitely, like, made me nerd out in a way I did not know I could nerd out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with um, Pod Racers, which is not in this collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend it because being able to listen the pod racing part in the movies dumb man yeah you think about it now but like as a kid i was into it was you know like, what yeah. too now that I you're mentioning that it age, i think i do have that somewhere um, <laughs> because i remember it wasn't Watto kind of your guy in that like outlanders they come here <laughs> it's yeah. a really good Watto. Yeah, that's, that's good like uh, you could like trick it out like you could customize yeah, you, your so racer? It, it was the part where you could customize your racer awesome. with like different like accelerators and and parts it's been it's been a while guys but that again it, these games definitely triggered a part of my brain that i did not know could get triggered right i'll be back i'm gonna go check uh, so, uh, I don't know. The Star Wars games definitely were like something special to me uh, on the N64. Yeah, it uh, felt like the first era where they really, I mean, they were doing it earlier with PC games, but for the console players, mm-hmm. this was the first era where like they really came closer to capturing the experience. Yeah. Because like they were doing, they had on the Atari an Empire Strikes Back game really? showing the Hoth, like Snowspeeder battles. Uh-huh. Not quite as... Uh, Accurate of right. a representation. <laughs> it, they're always hard too, if I remember. I my only experience because I I was I went all in on Star Wars um, Battlefront on the Xbox, and uh, we play it still now, like the <laughs> original Xbox game on the 360. But um, being a snowspeeder, it was always so hard. <laughs> no, let me tell you, Star Wars like tying up Shadows, those legs. Shadows of the Empire is a difficult game, a needlessly difficult hmm. game. Uh, it, it's it doesn't it's one of those it does not age well. Uh, it definitely has a lot of those like artificially difficult moments. Yeah, where just to kind of extend its its life. Yeah, uh, but I, I I do think it's a fun game. It uses like the John Williams score in there. Oh wow, like a modified version of it, I believe. Yeah. But I definitely have like the asteroid run like chase theme stuck in my head because I played Shadows of the Empire so Funny. much. Mm. Uh, Mike, any personal favorites? Um, yeah, I we we covered it a little, but um, Super Smash Brothers in in <laughs> like possibly the most boring uh, way. I would only ever play like one character, and I only ever really liked like maybe two or three of the stages. <laughs> like I loved <laughs> the um, the Silphco skyline. Uh, Top of the building. That was in this, right? In yep. N64? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. there was a Pokemon one in in a later game as well. They kind of just are... They div- put a lot of them they're in there. Okay. stadiums yeah. now. Um, but that one and the, yeah. whatever the Zelda one was called, Hyrule Temple or whatever. Oh, yeah. Hyrule Temple, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Was yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, and I <laughs> I don't know. Like, I... I uh, like I said, like, uh, in the last uh, episode, that um, a friend would have like as a kid friends would have the n64 so like uh, i went to a friend's house and learned 
a character on that game, which was Samus. And then I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> this is it for me. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious. Can we go around the table and hear everyone's oh, mains? yes. Yeah, sure, sure. Who, you, who do you main? So, I mean, so I'm like, Samus, yeah. and then in the more recent version, I'm Samus of any different color. Because, <laughs> like, we'll play, like, ten rounds or whatever, and I'll be like, okay, well, everyone's changing their character, so I'm going to be pink now. <laughs> uh, Samus and Donkey Kong remind me, too. For the N64 one, Fox, and then for later iterations, Falco. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I was way into Ness. Hmm. Uh, okay. The, the only, the only, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> The only character I didn't recognize uh, on the roster, but like because I I played all those other games, but Ness, uh, I didn't I didn't play Earthbound at that right. time. Uh, so like something something about the a boy with psychic powers like like captured my imagination yeah. like a lot. I didn't know anything about Earthbound, and then people were so freaked out about Ness being in the game. Like I don't know who this Ness is. Is it like a month, like a Loch Ness monster? That's what I thought. <laughs> really, I really did, and then I didn't. Oh, this is this kid with a bat, and then I didn't really realize it until later that because it was he was un- unlockable, right? Yeah, yeah, he was, he, and he was the uh, most difficult one to unlock as well. Yeah. Uh, four unlockables being uh, Luigi, Jigglypuff, Captain Falcon, yes, and Ness. Huh. Eight total characters, right? Uh, Twelve total. Twelve total. Twelve total. Eight, eight, eight plus yeah. the yeah. Like I had mentioned that we played in college some, um, or as a, as a kid, like you can't you can't lose and then call some kind of like foul play. Like it's just such a like equal game. Like it, the only the only way that you will succeed is if you are like the best. Like it is such a it's so good at that. Like you know, whereas like Mario Kart, you can be like sucking the whole game and then get a blue shell and like pull out second place or whatever. Like Super Smash was just like. <laughs> four will enter one will leave like it was just such a good uh like contest <laughs> we, we definitely def- uh, settled disputes yeah uh, totally as friends with smash brothers uh my like i try to think of sure some memorable games i didn't play ocarina of time majora's mask super mario 64 uh, I didn't have any of those games for this, and, and it, which is surprising, I guess, being how much of a Nintendo fan I am. I I didn't get around to. I don't think I've ever played through all of Mario sixty four. I've beaten Ocarina of Time, but I, I got it for the three DS and played as like I got to play this game because I haven't ever, you know, played it. And I had a GameCube, you know, Master Quest, whatever thing they did with it, and I just never played it. Um, I don't know why those games didn't appeal to me as much because for me Zelda was top down, mm-hmm. uh, like the you know Game Boy style. Um, and I wasn't as like I, Mario sixty four. It was I remember being over at a friend's house and seeing it the first time. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Um, but one of the games that kind of stood out, and, I, and Pokemon Snap is on is on one of your list. That was a big game that I played a lot of. Yeah, but that was a huge game. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The Pokemon games on the on the N sixty four are pretty stellar. Yeah, and they did it because it was so cool to see you know them rendered and you can throw a. I still like I bought that game for the Wii Virtual Console. Um, to play, uh, but I gotta say that Jeff Force Gemini still is the one I mentioned it before. But like, it's one of the ones that uh, one of my top ones I love playing because it was just so different. And it was it was I don't know if it was rated M, but it was it, dark and still kind of quirky, which I liked. One of the things I recall about Jet Force Gemini is at the very end, before you could do the last mission, you had to go back and save all of like the indigenous people before they would give you like 
the MacGuffin that like, used the spaceship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, yeah they, they had hostages that you had to... And the guy even was like, look, I know it's kind of lame of me to do this, but, you know, you got to help me or you're not getting the ship. <laughs> uh, the only memory I have of Jet Force Gemini is that if in Donkey Kong 64, if you go to a character's like a specific character's room and like use the first person camera to look at the wall, there's a poster of Jet Force Gemini. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Rare really liked to make the references. Yeah. Um, gosh, Rare. Uh, rare. So, N- so I think N64 is also Rare's. Um, I think it, it, when people think classic Rare, they think N64. Because this is the era where they developed Donkey Kong, GoldenEye. Uh, and my personal favorite series uh, uh, from them, the Banjo-Kazooie series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked earlier about how they tried, they just tried different stuff. Uh, like the stop and swap feature. And again, never implemented, but like the idea was you would take your, pr- you would be playing Banjo-Tooie, reach a certain point where you need to unlock something in that game with an item from the first game so you would remove the game cartridge and then put in your the old, the original one, use that item, and then put the cartridge back in. Mm. Uh, also, like they, it was. I personally consider Banjo Kazooie to be like a better platformer than Super Mario sixty four. It's not a popular opinion. I have yeah, I never played that game either, so I didn't listen. Let me tell you, just take my word for it. Hey, <laughs> just right. just believe me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's. I, I thought I had a lot more character, a lot more charm, and just was inventive in a way that like I really loved. Like Grant Kirkhope's music in that game is He does the music for ukulele too. He does do the music for ukulele. And I think yeah. for Mario and Rabbits too. Oh yeah. He did yeah. do that. Um, so if, if you're into uh, xylophones and oboes, <laughs> uh, my man's got you covered <laughs> in the original <laughs> Banjo Kazooie. Uh, what was one of your games? Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess the big one for me is we'll do a combo here. WWF WrestleMania 2000 and uh-huh. WWF No Mercy. Now they, uh, made a bunch of these games for the N64. They had some WCW ones in there too. And these were all made by the same developer called Aki. Uh, they, they, yeah, there's another one there. WWF Attitude mm-hmm. from a different developer, Acclaim. I was saying okay. Acclaim did a lot of those. This too. is not Aki. Yeah, Eki made the two WCW games, and they made these two WWF games, and they all have this really good uh, wrestling engine for like all the different moves. And there's like, uh, you can attack certain limbs, or you can also uh, like reverse moves and do counters, and it's all pretty uh, straightforward. And then on top of that, the cool thing was they had create a wrestler modes in there, so you could do like different costumes for all the guys. And give them all like custom move sets. That's cool. And even like give them like special entrances based on like the superstars' <laughs> entrances. So you could like make a guy who comes out in a baseball shirt that says Shane O'Mac on it, and he's walking out to the Rocks entrance theme, stuff like that. <laughs> really mess things up. Yeah. 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 I, I also forget that this was the attitude era of the WWE slash WWF. Yeah, yeah. So, so this was like the peak of maybe the past 20 years was like from 1998 to 2000 for their uh, like uh like mainstream awareness and like the quality of the content they were putting out and like even today people will go back and they'll do like the royal rumble mode 
which is where it puts four people in the game in the ring. And then you have to throw them out of the ring mm-hmm. to eliminate them. And then it'll bring just another person down from backstage and they'll take their spot. And you have to throw that person out <laughs> too until 30 people have come through. Wow. I remember the wrestling games for N64. I don't remember the specific developers. I remember playing them with some of my other friends who were into wrestling. And that was such a cool thing with the four, four players to be able to, to do that and hit people with a chair and, and all that. I mean, that's... <laughs> hitting people with a chair. Hitting people yeah, with a chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the big thing for WWF No Mercy was they added tables. So yeah. you could <laughs> toss people through the tables or like body slam them through the tables. Nice. <laughs> Uh, Mike, what about you? You know, someone mentioned this earlier, and and we didn't really get into it much, but those first Tony Hawk games. Uh, mm. But my yeah. sister and I, in fact, just recently, I, I I had it for a different platform, but um, we're playing Tony Hawk Two, and having a blast. This was like <laughs> this was like a month ago, or you know, recently. Mm. Um, those games were and are still tremendous. Um, you can you can get through them being someone like me who is not great at video games in general, mm-hmm. um, and you can get uh, it really they reward you for being good and for like putting in time and like finding you know like there's fun little like secret rooms that you can get into if you grind on the yeah. right thing yeah. or if you like uh, yeah. those games had just like a lot of fun like discovery to them and of course I'm a huge nerd for like adding or like um, powering up your own stats or whatever so like saving a bunch of cash and then like editing your your abilities was always fun for me (laughs) a little rpg element to it a little bit yeah yeah later even like with the the story ones like underground or whatever which i don't think was probably on n64 but uh those games are just a total blast um i was always my my, like go-to was bucky lasek i don't know (laughs) if anyone else had a go-to in the tony hawk games who's your tony hawk main <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Tony Hawk for me, Pro- um, probably Tony Hawk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Goku. <laughs> <laughs> they and they had funny, um, like insidey Activision mm-hmm. references, like you were saying earlier with the seeing a poster in the, in the, whatever that game was that wasn't Activision, but um, like Spider Man, like like the cheats in really? Tony Hawk, mm-hmm. like you could play as like the Slim Jim guy, if I I think, or no, that was been Dave Mira biking, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you could play as like Spider Man, I want to say, and like yeah. you could like turn off gravity, and like they had like fun. I remember that. I always associate the Tony Hawk series though with with PlayStation. Though my my mm-hmm. my 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 stepbrother had a PlayStation, and and all those we played it all the time on mm-hmm. there. Which is I have. If you ever want to play it, I have a Tony Hawk HD. They remade. Whoa. Yeah, for PlayStation Three, and I and uh, it's a it's a pretty good representation of the game yeah it was difficult because they were trying to like port games from the playstation to the n64 mm. and the the systems were different enough that it kind of made things awkward sometimes like ah. when you played on the playstation they'd have all these fully sampled nice music tracks to go with the the parks and stuff yes mm-hmm. then when they bring them to the n64 the the uh, sound quality is watered down oh. they have to go with shorter samples right. interesting like y- you, you couldn't do a video like you could on the PlayStation. Because, yeah, it was just disc-based. Huh. Yeah, right, and, yeah, and, and that right. just holds media a lot better. Sure. Uh, yeah, they had great music on those. I, and I, I now I realize that that may not be true in the N64 <laughs> version, but, like, Public Enemy was on Tony Hawk 2, and, like, oh, those games were a blast. Kind of like that 
a similar experience for me was Resident Evil 2, uh-huh. which I played oh. on the N64, okay. not oh, wow. on the PlayStation. Okay. It yeah. was like a big popular game for the PS1, and then yeah. they brought it over. They didn't even bring over Resident Evil 1. <laughs> they, they, they waited till the GameCube for Resident Evil 1. So, uh, But yeah, for uh, 2, it was... You know, obviously, it's a great game if you've played it, uh, but if not, it's like you're either Leon Kennedy or Claire Redfield trying to navigate through this little town that's been taken over by zombies, and you end up going through the police station for most of that and trying to, like, sort through the mess. Mm. Raccoon City. And, like, you're switching back, and, well, you can either choose one or the other, and then depending on, like, the order in which you play through the game, like, different things will happen if you play them uh, one or the other first. Mm. Uh, did cool. that? Did that game pull off cutscenes? All right. Nope. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even recall them having like animated or FMV cutscenes in the game at all. Hmm. Like I think it was all just the gameplay. Yeah, I mean it, it is a good Resident Evil, uh, but yeah, if you were looking to like see the kind of cheesy voice acting <laughs> or like pre-rendered video. You know, you'd probably want to go with the PlayStation, but as an N64 owner. Yeah, well, because the. Uh, yeah. PlayStation original Resident Evil PlayStation game had live action. Yeah, full FMV. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, and then when they remade, they may remade it for the uh, GameCube. Mm-hmm. It was all rendered and all done. And yeah, all yeah you're, you're gonna want to redo those lines. <laughs> Just take another crack at them. Uh, I played a lot of Turok uh, on the N64, Dinosaur Hunter. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned that 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 was like my introduction to shooters Mm -hmm. Uh, and and also my introduction to like kind of raw mature games. Right. It was an M game, wasn't it? It it was a rated M game. It was my first rated M game. Uh, So like being able to shoot dinosaurs with a bone arrow (laughs) and like, you know, that was the first game I had like seen blood in it. Mm -hmm. And as like a, like I, I think I was 10 at the time when I had that. Uh, it was it was just like the edgiest thing, like I had to hide that game from my parents. <laughs> there was a one weapon in there specifically that I I I know as a kid I enjoyed a lot, and now that I think back on it, I might have been a little sadistic then. Mm-hmm. It was a weapon called the cerebral bore, in which <laughs> you would fire its 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 payload, uh, and it'd be like a little like homing missile. That would search for the head of an enemy. It would latch on, and oh then you would hear this drill sound, like, yeah. "Oh my god!" And then like blood would spurt out everywhere. And as a ten-year-old, I was like, "Yeah, man, that's raw!" <laughs> like even as violent as Goldeneye and like Perfect Dark are, there isn't a lot of blood. Right. So like there still is an element of like abstraction to the violence. Doesn't sound like that was the case with Turok. No, Turok just went for it. It went for it hard. Uh, so. I believe, yeah. It was, well, it was, it's interesting to say because because I remember I just read something recently about Miyamoto not liking Gold Knight because it was so violent, <laughs> and that he wanted them he wanted everybody at the end of the Gold Knight game to be just all the characters to be shaking hands and like good game you know it's like it wasn't a so real thing funny, like a yeah. simulator oh or but then this came out you know and like well, I wonder how you no no you 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 would have to visit the dinosaurs in heaven and uh, <laughs> and like beg for forgiveness yeah. it's like mario brothers 3 they all come out they stand in a line they take a bow no the turok games like were dumb and silly uh this was also an era where the n64 the n64 didn't have a whole lot of ram so there were 
there was never a huge enough field of draw distance. Yeah. Yeah. So the game introduced the fog. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> you saw this on video, but I just used air quotes on that, <laughs> which really just means, oh, we can't render things past five feet in front of you. Uh-huh. Uh, and though we see that now as a technical limitation, like that definitely made this game scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like knowing that a raptor could be right. like less than two like seconds alien jumping jaws in front of like exactly. withholding the bad guy from you <laughs> yeah got to keep that cerebral bore on hand <laughs> uh dan did you have a game uh yeah i mean i would say we haven't really talked too much about it but i mean pokemon snap was a big yeah it was a big game that can i ask you a question up up top sure did you ever take your controller pack to blockbuster so you could get your stickers printed off no i didn't oh I never. Well, you had to have a thing, right? A memory card for it. And yeah. Then bring it in. Yeah, you could bring it into the blockbuster, and you could. Well, they'd have a little machine that would print the stickers that you could oh make. Yeah, if you if photos. you wanted a sticker of that. Sweet oh, I do. Pick. I do remember right. that, but yeah, no, I didn't. Wow. That is yet again one of those kind of like Transformers era, like fun tactile. Like it was just that's such a like the idea of doing that now sounds bananas to me. <laughs> yeah, they're def- Nintendo definitely has a history of that. Yeah. I feel like the only company that did it more was probably like Sega. Yeah. Back in the day, but like Well, yeah, so I, you know, yeah. Pokémon Snap was I have another one too, but this one uh Pokémon Snap was like one of the ones that was like such a cool thing to see them rendered in 3D and mm-hmm. be able to throw and like I love that there were mystery like different paths you can take depending on what you threw or you know, did or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. I was always been interested in photography so being able to take pictures and stuff. I like for sure thought mm-hmm. it was like okay you have a wii u this is the perfect system for pokemon snap like oh. you had the camera and you could move around and it's like why haven't you made a pokemon snap game i, I would love to have a i mean there are what t- a thousand pokemon now so it might be a yeah. little tough but yeah i mean you definitely don't have they definitely didn't put all the old all the pokemon in pokemon snap yeah, i true. would love to see a sequel to it yeah. right uh maybe you right. could even do something with like pokemon go like oh, yeah. some like photo function in the app itself. And then like you get could rated on your pictures based on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put an Instagram filter. Yeah. On <laughs> you know, that, that's what that game needs is like you could connect your Instagram account. <laughs> yeah. To Taking and, a selfie. That, that yeah. would like that would take off. Yeah. Uh, in a big way. Hey, Nintendo, are you listening? <laughs> hey, uh, d- uh, DM us. DM me. You got Spreaker, Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> SoundCloud? <laughs> YouTube? Uh, hit me up on Bandcamp. Yeah, so that's that's yeah, that's my uh, one of my my favorites. Uh, I I had mentioned this to Bill earlier, but uh, and and I did talk about this in the other podcast where uh, I was extremely influenced by commercials, mm-hmm. and I, and I have talked about my love for Banjo Kazooie, uh, the idea of being like a bird and a bear at the same time, and then using those abilities like in tangent to like you know like visit like different levels and like collect these puzzle pieces yeah. and like it, it j- utterly blew me away uh but around the same time there was another commercial for a game called buck bumble <laughs> uh and i don't remember this one. Oh, n- good n- good for you because <laughs> buck bumble is, I, I, is not a good game uh i, I did want to bring it up because like it the commercial was really distinct in which like it started off with like a picture of a spy or like footage of a spider and a little girl singing the itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout and then halfway through that song the spider explodes 
and then a CG bumblebee carrying guns comes out and says, and then the spider exploded. Uh. Say hello to Buck Bumble. He's Mother Nature's twisted little cyborg soldier in a rumble to the death with the evil insect empire. Yeah, it don't bug me. Buck Bumble for N64, the one and only killer bee, Ubisoft. <laughs> it, it, it was the most, again, raw in your face yeah. type attitude. Like Buck Bumble experienced like five soul crushing levels. Soul crushing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the actual. God, uh, that's an awesome name. Buck Bump. It, yeah, it was a, it was a really poor, poorly made, uh, third person shooter in which you played a bumblebee that went to war with the other bugs. Mm. Uh, it, it's Buck Wild, one might say. Mm. Uh, Buck don't, Bumble. <laughs> don't don't play Buck Bumble. <laughs> But if you do happen to come across a copy of Buck, Buck Bumble, just leave it on the start menu. That's a great way to <laughs> gift if you, if you, if you do a yeah. gift exchange. <laughs> uh, as for myself, uh, I mean, obviously GoldenEye is a classic, uh, so I don't know if I have to go into too much detail on that. But I spent probably more time playing Perfect Dark yeah. uh, because they kind of took everything that happened in GoldenEye and improved on it. They had a larger, more robust story with, like, they actually got some voice acting in there, which impressed me a lot. Yeah. Uh, I believe Tim Curry mm. was involved. He Whoa. was, like, the voice of the uh, head of the Carrington Institute, which is, like, okay. the MI6 of the Perfect Dark Universe. That's right. Huh. And then uh, you had this, like, yeah, sprawling sci-fi plot set in the future. There was uh, cool new guns that, like, took advantage of, like, the futuristic setting, like, I think my favorite was the laptop gun. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Because you could, you know, sta- fire it standard like a machine gun or whatever, but then you could, like, toss it on a wall, and it would be a sentry gun for people oh, who entered cool. the room. And that in the multiplayer, the multiplayer had so much going on. You could play with four people, but you could add also four AI characters or play, like, with yourself and up to seven other AIs. Nice. You could do team battles. You could do King of the Hill you could have like uh, obviously deathmatch or like a bunch of different modes, and they even had like a set of fifty challenges you could go through either by yourself or like with a partner against like AIs of varying difficulties and varying scenarios. Just felt like such an uh, evolution of what GoldenEye tried to be, and like they made, they made some more games. Like the, they were responsible for like the Time Splitters games. Mm-hmm. Wait, Rare was. Rare was not, but a lot of the people from GoldenEye made this company called Free Radical Design. Oh, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, moved yeah. on to oh, do yeah, for sure, man. The Time Splitters. I, I love that franchise. Yeah. Those games are it, it, it's, it, I would say that's the spiritual successor to GoldenEye. Yeah. There's even a damn level in like Time Splitters 2. And I think because Time Splitters oh. was like a launch PS2 title, it got remembered pretty fondly. But I think Perfect Dark is not remembered as much because it came out pretty close to the end of mm. the N64's popularity. Right. It was like oh. in 2000. And people were already like, okay, well, what's coming out on the GameCube? Yeah, yeah people were t- think, talking about the GameCube. Like, this is around when, like, screenshots of, like, Super Smash Brothers was coming out, and people were saying, whoa, this looks pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, the uh, Perfect Dark was, yeah, that, that game was such a, I loved, I loved that they took even GoldenEye levels, and uh, there's, like, a complex and a facility level, and they added to it and added different connections. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. they did do that. And I, and I love the only time I've ever seen that since in like a major kind of console game 
and such a weird thing was Quantum of Solace for the Wii. Hmm. Uh, not a great game, uh, but because it's uh, the they have one level that's a modified complex level, and they added more to it. And they don't they don't call it or no I'm sorry modified facility level, and they don't call it. I think they might spell it differently, but they they didn't like specifically <laughs> call it. This is the facility from Goldeneye. Uh, but it was such a. I love when developers do that and like mm-hmm. modify and, and 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 make improve upon. It. And that's what definitely what Perfect Dark did for everything. The, that sci-fi gun where you reload it by putting an orb in the side of it and it just melds it. Oh yeah, yeah, the far side. Yeah, yeah that was remember cool. that? That was nuts. Great game. <laughs> I, I have a distinct memory of uh, Perfect Dark, where they like show like the alien on a slab. That just like kind of freaked me out as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm like literally me thinking, like, what? The Look how you could play as the alien, and you'd always be shooting up at people because he was he was so short. Spoilers for Perfect Dark. There's an alien in it. Well, yeah. also they came they remade that for Xbox and stuff, but it's, it's stripped weird. Of, it's stripped of stuff, isn't it? And it feels not right because the frame rate is so high now. It's <laughs> like you're gliding along the ground. Huh. Interesting. Um, Mike, any, any other games? To- um, yeah, you know, I thought of another that I f- feel like we kind of slept on, but um, and I might just be mistaken that it wasn't for N64, but I think it was Mario Tennis. Mario Tennis was for the N64. Yeah, yeah. it was one of those. was a blast. <laughs> I, uh, the memory I have of that is we went to a, uh, I think we went to like Disney World around that time and stayed in a hotel where like, uh, there was it had like the kids suite in the back that had like bunk beds and it was like themed or whatever like just, and it wasn't like Disney affiliated but it was next to Disney or whatever uh, and they had an N sixty four they had Mario Tennis and I remember <laughs> my sister and I playing Mario Tennis in our like kid room at the uh, mm-hmm. the hotel but um, I don't remember it terribly well I remember Mario Kart a lot better because I've played that more recently but. Um, which I don't know if we've even really talked about that just no, in this discussion no, either. No, yeah. But Mario Tennis, I remember being a total blast. And like a thing that like when it came out, I feel like everybody had a similar response, which was like, okay. And then they played it and they were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, and then switching gears to Mario Kart. Uh, I love that game. Switching I w- yeah, switching gears. <laughs> I, I can't I, stand my fingers. So. I, uh, was uh, my go-to for that was always Yoshi. Um, I don't quite know why. Because I, I never recognized them ever having any like different skills to one another. I think the bigger guys could like, like hit you harder. Yeah, I feel like yeah. like there, like, there, there was a balance to it where uh, smaller people could accelerate yeah. faster but would have a lower top speed. Right. Uh, heavier guys would take more to accelerate but had a better top speed and also could like kind of bully around yeah. smaller players, which is why I was played Wario. Right. <laughs> real, real quick. I'm going to win. <laughs> Favorite multiplayer Mario Kart level? Ooh. Uh, so, like, one of the courses? For N64. One For of the, N64. Like, the N64, race courses or the battle The battles. Oh, okay. Battle oh. arena. Not a lot to choose from. Mine is Block Fort, hands down. Uh, I guess I'd have to go with Block Fort too. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one where it's like kind of four sections that are all identical and they're all the same, or they're all different colors. There's like ramps and yeah. And, yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking of two that are very similar. Uh, one had like the big hole in the top that you could fall down. Jump what was down. that one called? 
uh, no. Uh, you had the donut. I know, you had I know the donut that one too. with with the you had the donut. So no, you had the lava in the middle. That um, was different. This was one. It was it was like Block Fort, but um, it had ramps in different levels. But like the the mid height level was kind of like an outer corridor ring, and then the top level had like a balcony that you could kind of like shoot down onto back into like the main zone. God, people listening that might are probably be a, that might be a GameCube one. No, I think it was not 64. So what were they all? What were their names? I, I don't yeah, know to be yeah, honest. Block, okay. You got the block fort. You got the donut. Uh, I think Donut Plains was the other one. Um, I think there were just like four. Uh, the, uh, what I want to talk about in terms of Mario Kart is like how this is the first polygonal, polygonal one. The other Mario Kart was entirely sprite-based. Yeah. I can't play that Mario Kart. I can't. It's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's just, like, I'm sure it was, like, awesome for the era, like, taking advantage of, like, those Mode 7 graphics. But, like, being able, like, being able to, like, go on a stage and see, like, obstacles in front of you and be able to take turns instead of just, like, seeing a weird, like, you, like, kind of moving essentially what's a GIF across a bigger jpeg that you're <laughs> rotating around yeah um th- so yeah i definitely remember that game a lot more fondly than mario kart did you Super Nintendo. yeah yeah so the four battle stages are big donut that's the like scary lava one right uh block for it skyscraper was the one that it's basically big donut but you're on a skyscraper and then double deck I think that one might Mitch have been playing it up for that or block for it. <laughs> go go look up a picture of double deck. Yeah, double and then deck. as for race courses on that one, I always loved the beach and the old west one. That they, they were all in the same like Grand Prix series. Like there was like the basic raceway one. Was it Luigi's raceway? Yoshi's or, or, or not Yoshi's? Mario's. Yoshi's uh, it was one of those two guys. Mar- yeah. And then and then like. The farm, what was that called? Move, 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 move yeah, farm. and then like Koopa Troopa Beach and uh, oh shoot, what I, was I, the like, I remember old West all the train one called? Oh, I don't know. I know uh, I'm looking, but those four were fun. That, in fact, when I was talking was about playing in college, like playing Super Smash in college, we played probably more Mario Kart because I think a friend of mine um, did wasn't good at Super Smash, which I also am not, but he like almost took playing that game personally and would instead like insist on Mario Kart. So we'd play that a lot more and like that I mean that game rules. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all the uh shortcuts for Koopa. Yeah. Beach, the one so. that you have to like go up the ramp into like the With hole the turbo, in yeah. the yeah. yeah. <laughs> the there there and there was so your interesting thing around that area there are actually two shortcuts. Uh-huh. It's that one off the ramp, but right. if you like choose not to go on that, you would have an opportunity. There's like this archway like right before it, uh-huh. and if you go to the right of that archway, like there's a path being covered by water. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it it was a a game of of like calculating risks. Like the uh, yeah. Like if you could only you could only usually take one, or huh. or like reasonably take one without like losing too much time. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so you would have to make your your pick ahead of time. If like you think you can make that jump, go for it. But if not, you could do like the safer right. shortcut that less people knew about. Wow, uh, I'm gonna say cruising USA, cruising mm-hmm. world, like those cruising, the, the cruising series, man. Like the, that was another kind of racing game that was just kind of fun and that was different, and there were tons of secret things that were in there. Um, and I also uh, recently this year, there's a cruising game out there in the wild, an arcade game. 
What? Nintendo made. It's in the arcades. If you go to like some of the more modern arcades, like in the suburbs. And Nintendo produced? And they produced. I took a picture of it. I'll, I'll have to show you later. But uh, it's, it's like, and there's Cruising USA, Cruising World, Cruising Exotica. I think this one is like. It's got to be like Cruising the Universe or something like that. It was that. something <laughs> like that, but it's just as fun. Cruising the time-space continuum. Like it's, it's just as fun. And I think like, like I don't know. It, I think that I really wish they would bring that game to just like the Switch or just something you know more modern so we can get. Yeah, I'll just make a lot of noise while you talk. <laughs> <laughs> the Cruising series is, 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 is was my like another one of my favorite like go to game. I think uh, it was Rush twenty forty nine. Was that? Yeah, that was a uh, Rush two. Because that because Rush this is a uh, yeah this is kind of extreme racing. But Rush twenty forty nine was kind of like another car based uh, game that kind of had a twisted metal like quality to it, where you pick up weapons and fight each other and stuff like that. So those two are also like I guess for me other games. Uh, yeah, that uh, I really loved. Midway made a lot of games for the 64. All these yeah. games have Midway on. Mm-hmm. Midway and Acclaim, they had a stranglehold on on publishing games. Like, Turok was an Acclaim game. Mm. Um, how about you, Bill? Do you... Uh, well, there are plenty to mention, but let's go with Star Fox 64. Like, that's just basically my favorite game for the system. I can go back and just knock out the entire campaign in like a half hour now and just <laughs> still enjoy it. Just uh, I it's a was so fun playing on the Super Nintendo for me, mm-hmm. and then coming to the N sixty four where they could actually talk now and they would like banter with you and there were like more secret routes and then they had like the uh, three dimensional space for dog fighting. Sometimes you would have mm-hmm. those levels. It's like, oh, hang on, guys. I'm going to help you. I'm going to take down my guy, and I'll make sure you guys don't get shot down either. That game was incredibly fun, and like the just, the universe that it kind of built in Star Fox, like, they only alluded to it in the other games, but like Star Fox 64 really alluded to like this grander like fiction that, ocu- that it occupies. Did you ever play the 3DS version of it, 64 by 4, whatever they called it? I, I own it. I, I've never actually played it. That was a pretty... I mean, I remember playing the battle mode in that. And there's a, a multiplayer battle mode that's really fun with that. It looks a lot nicer. I definitely... I, I did purchase that with the intent. Like, now I don't need to own the N64 version anymore because I can just play this on my 3DS. And my 3DS will last forever, obviously. <laughs> right. Uh, Luis, what about you? No, I definitely wanted to save my favorite for last. The Legend of Zelda games on the N sixty four. It's it may sound like an exact an exaggeration, but I tr- I, trust me, it is not. Uh, the Ocarina of Time changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like it playing that game made me realize like what games could be, and like how they could make you feel like, which is like a weird thing to say. Uh, For viewers or listeners, he's he's tearing up. Right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm turning visibly red. Uh, I'm. I might be in a dream. I don't know. Uh, but The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time like made me care about video games. Uh, period. Mm-hmm. They, it made me think, like, oh, this is like an art. For, like, you can tell stories with this. Like, the... You know, I had, like, fantasy movies before then. Uh, like, I, again, not, not great taste, but I really like the Willow. That movie, Willow. <laughs> The NES game is weird. The NES game is pretty weird, but also an exact like a, a adequate Zelda clone. Uh, so oh, being like playing Ocarina of Time and like 
having emotional stakes in a game as well as like appreciating like good level design and just like fun like combat mechanics and puzzle solving like definitely just made me uh identify myself more as a gamer more than anything else before that and then when majora's mask came out uh which is kind of like if ocarina of time is the 101 college level introductory class uh, Majora's Mask is the advanced level. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna just like play around with these concepts a bit. It's a truly, truly like fun, but like at times creepy and unsettling game. Uh, because like the concept is you're re- reliving these three days over and over to find out a way to stop the moon from crashing into the yeah, world. That creepy ass moon haunts people still to this day i had a majora's mask symphony of the goddess poster in my room mm-hmm. and my girlfriend's like we got to get that down she bought me three zelda type posters that i had mm-hmm. hanging there now in my room and put the poster down she's like that you, that, that moon scares the shit out of me. yeah you you got yeah. rid of it in an exorcism i get it uh the, but like also like that game because the developers of that game wanted to focus on the characters occupying that world like gave them schedules and relationship with other characters. You also get to see them deal with like their reality, which is like, oh, we're all gonna die in like three days, and then like dealing with the consequences of that. Like, like older, like, like the one. There's this one um, character that like really affected me, which was like this one, and you only see it in the credits. But he's like this Deku Butler that is looking for his missing son. Mm. And then in the credits, he finds his son and turns out the son has like died and been and turned into like a small tree. And in the credits, you could just see him crying in front of that tree. Like that sets the tone for that game. Yeah. yeah or that defines the tone. So mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't played either of those, like. They're both could, out on 3DS. They're both out on 3DS and they're both like superior versions. I think Ocarina of Time is only like 20 bucks now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you could get them. Of- you could get them for a song. Um, but like. The Ocarina of Time again. It, it. I do think it's always been in my consideration for like greatest game, video games of all time. Uh, and to own a copy of it on the N sixty four is is like a privilege. <laughs> I'm still crying, guys. <laughs> uh, I I would hate to to. Uh, end on something anything other than that note, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the spiritual sibling games Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> but well, no, tr- was... truly, the only Perfect. games that could trounce the classic that is Legend of Zelda. Yes, right. The the real titans of the <laughs> N64 software yeah. library. That's why you buy the platform. <laughs> Uh, well, right. guys, then, I, I mean, obviously, we didn't cover every good game. Yeah. We didn't even really talk about Super Mario 64. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I was, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't want to. I guess yeah. that was an assumption that we all thought. Yeah, it was everyone good. loves Mario. Mario is great. It changed 3D platform. It, 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 real briefly, it's the game that made 3D platforming work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are, there are plenty of resources for if you want to hear like what the best games are mm-hmm. of all time for the N64. This just felt like more of a way to talk about like our personal favorites and like games that really resonated with us. And I think we got a good cross section of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we wrap for this episode, I did want to cover one thing. So uh, previously we have seen the NES classic and then we have seen the SNES classic. So it stands to reason we could see the N64 classic. Uh, 
there are a couple concerns though that come up with this uh, system. Uh, first of all, the a lot of the games that came out for the N64 that were made by Rare probably could not appear on the N64 Classic because yeah, the rights are still with them. Yeah, there's there's some weird rights issues with a lot of those characters. Yeah, like all the games made by Rare are owned by Rare, mm. and now Rare has been purchased by Microsoft. Mm. So, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't I call it complete because it, you know, Nintendo's got that Switch money, so they could throw some money. And like Nintendo and Microsoft have been kind of, you know, with the Minecraft crossplay. And I heard somewhere that the Nintendo thing in, in Redmond or whatever, their headquarters there in Nintendo yeah. America, there's this giant statue of Banjo Kazooie, like in there. So like, you know, mm. I feel like. Yeah. They, you know, it's an important game for the system. For right, sure. right. One of my big things is to, you know, with the systems have generally been smaller. Like the SNES uh, Classic is, you know, small, much smaller, and so is the NES Classic. Um, but the controllers were relatively the same size. So do they keep the controller the same? And if they do, do they get rid of this port altogether? Mm. Like they don't need it. Right. Like they can put Rumble in it, and they can, uh, unless you know, they don't really. You don't need but, it these but days. But Dan, how else am I gonna send my pictures to Blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> but that—that's another good point too. Is like if they put four controllers in this thing and they're like souped-up modern things with like uh, Rumble built in or whatever, this thing's gonna cost like could cost like two hundred bucks. It's yeah. gonna, it's gonna be. It's not gonna be a cheap thing because it, then you're starting to get into. I think the next step though is Game Boy. Well, uh, so I, I guess my question that I'll pose to you guys then is: Would you be willing? to buy a compromised N64 Classic that may not necessarily have all the important games and may cost more money than the previous two uh, Classics, which both cost like 60 or $80. Mm. Uh, I might just because just to complete the collection, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it'd be a good investment. And also, it, it depends... Uh, what games they put on right. there? It really depends on the games. Like if you if they were managed to get Perfect Dark or Goldeneye on there, mm-hmm. um, you know, like okay, maybe I would. Um, it, it, but I don't know. You see, I, I said I wasn't going to get the any of the other ones, but I just like oh, the SNES Classic, I can buy it now. It's available, and I just purchased it, and so now I have to get the NES Classic when they re-release it. Uh, so if this is like a hundred and fifty dollar thing, it might make me really think it over because like. Yeah, I I I wouldn't sp- I wouldn't spend more than ninety bucks, hundred bucks on it, and that's no, you know, hundred bucks too much, too much for that system. <laughs> um, I'll stick around eighty to ninety, like as a yeah, they they have to eat it more, I think, on that one because like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these, these are, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a hard no, because <laughs> I've got this system right here in front of me. I got all the things I need. I got Wheel of Fortune. I got Jeopardy. I got WWF Attitude. Really, just uh, classics here. I'm not the person to ask, though, especially regarding, like, Nintendo collector types. Like, I could see that being a thing that would be a big... Yeah. Well, I mean, especially with, like, right now, as we're saying, talking, like, there's no, like, real clear thing about a virtual console for Switch. So it's, like, if you want to play these games or if I want to play stuff, I ever want to show, like, my kids or anything, like, you know, this, these games or something like that, it's a good experience. Yeah, honestly, experience. I, I do think there just may be better ways to play these games. Um, the, the, the emulation scene for the N64 has also been a little weird, uh, from my understanding. Uh, but they're definitely I'm not. I'm not condoning it, but it's you know definitely something to explore. Yeah, for orthodox ways to play these games, like you have 
own the original console Mm -hmm. or own the Wii and the Wii U, which at this point are kind of dated and may not necessarily be compatible with uh, what you've currently got as a TV. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to touch base on the emulation situation, because I do want to... I did I, so I didn't talk about this game a lot, but Toy Story Two or Toy Story Two on the N sixty four is a game I played a lot, and which and that is itself like a Legend of Zelda clone, where you play Buzz Lightyear. What really? Yeah, he has a hook shot. Really? Yeah, uh, so, and it's it's a weird like collectible slash puzzle solving game, hmm. but there is a boss battle in that game that is tied to the clock speed of the Nintendo 64 uh, in which the boss character like his attacks are at a certain speed because it's it's tied to how fast the N64 is so if you play it on a computer that boss battle is unplayable <laughs> because it's any like a graphing calculator has a higher clock speed than an N64 so that character is impossibly fast <laughs> <laughs> so uh, guys get, get the original hardware is what I'm trying to say here <laughs> so you could play Toy Story 2 and yeah. beat Zerg. Yeah. Get in or get out. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should call this episode of So Many Bits to a close. This has been our retrospecticus on the Nintendo 64. Uh, we do definitely have some other systems to cover in the future. Got a couple candidates. Got a couple candidates lined up to consider for uh, in the next few months or so. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, guys. If we want people to find you, either in person or electronically, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me electronically. I'm on Twitter as Ain't Got No Tweets. I tweet sometimes, but not a lot. Other than that, I have my own podcast called Talking Wild with Dan. They have a Twitter account, Talking Wild. I keep forgetting that because I have to <laughs> use that. Uh, you know, there's I post clips of uh, you know video clips and uh, the episodes, and sometimes my carrier pigeon of a co-host tweets stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, just that and Second Wind Collective as together. That's that's where you can find me. I this is my gospel here. <laughs> I have a Twitter at my gospel, and I'm also um, involved with Talking Wild with Dan. I won't give away any secrets as to like my involvement level, but uh, listen to that um, and uh, support live theater, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can see Mike over at IO Theater. Yeah, the world famous, the the unimitatable, unique IO Theater. Yeah, the Highlander of IO Theaters. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) you can catch me at that IO Theater. I am doing uh, uh, performance level shows at uh, Sunday, nine p.m. So that's going on for the next uh, couple weeks. So and it's just called performance level. It's now like five B. Uh, I think yeah, they they changed, they've changed the, the name yeah, of it, so six, it was different for me. Yeah, yeah so they're right. called performance level shows now. Uh, so if you want to see some funny stuff at nine o'clock, come by. And also yeah. on the internet hmm. at agent underscore Eli on Twitter. Same on Instagram. Come check out my puppy vids. Awesome. Well, as for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail dot com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from SoundCloud, from Spreaker, from YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at So Many Bits. We play games, twitch.tv slash So Many Bits. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
Wednesdays usually for like Magic the Gathering Online, Thursdays for a variety of different games. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts, support independent art, the spirit of Dell compels you. Bumble to the buck to the bumble, bumble.